Hey, here we are. Mark and Dave back on the air. Landscape Alaska is our nursery and landscaping business, and we sponsor this radio show that features us and you. And we depend upon you to help us by calling in and giving us tips, asking us questions, inviting us to events, discussing what might be happening in the wide world of horticulture or the small world of your own garden and backyard. So uh, 907-586-1800 to make your communications pass over the airwaves, and we'll be glad to hear them. And uh, we're going to be open today uh, at Landscape Alaska on the back loop. We're and open every day but Monday. Every day but Monday. And you can be open on Monday by appointment. There you go. So it's been a long winter. We're so glad to have spring, and our doors are open, and we have some of the most beautiful plant material we have ever managed to get here. And we have more than we've ever had. It's just absolutely stuffed. And and the plant world is exploding. There's new kinds of stuff all the time. New kinds of stuff coming out and, and plant breeders all over the world are contributing to it. And one of the things that has really taken off particularly appropriately for us in southeast Alaska is the incredible variety of new hydrangeas that are available. And the ones that we're talking about are not the old-fashioned ones that, that have big round balls that turn from pink to blue. But the kinds, the modern ones have flowers that are kind of shaped like a lilac, a long pointy bloom, and they come out in one color, usually kind of creamy color, and as the season goes on, they ripen. And they go through pale pink to dark pink, finally to dark red. In the and, fall. And they they start blooming in July, and they're still in bloom when the snow falls. They're real, real winners. And this year we brought a new selection of several different kinds. The ones we've used over the last half a dozen years that we like an awful lot are called quick fire. And there's a bunch of those, and we're ready for that. But we're introducing also some new ones, some dwarf forms that only get two to three feet tall Which and wide. Which would be really great in a big hanging basket or a box because they're tough enough to take it and come back in the springtime. That's right. And a hanging basket hydrangea is a great picture, isn't it? I think so. I think that's absolutely... Of course, you'd plant something with it that would bloom earlier than it did but could bloom as long as it does. And you really need a fairly good-sized hanging basket for that. Yeah. You know, those those uh, little 8-inch baskets are going to be too small for that. You right. need something that's going to be at least 15 or 18 inches across. But you can make them out of net. You can. Pack them with, with uh, moss and have that be the wall and put your uh, plants inside there. Remember how often we did that? We'd go off into the woods across from Grant's Plaza. And, and peel the and moss peel the off moss the fallen off. trees. So the law says that you can take take stuff like moss off of federal property if you're 50 feet off of a recognized trail. And uh, that's what we would do. We'd go well, off we the were woods. young and, and agile. <laughs> young and agile. And, you know, the look of a natural southeast Alaskan moss basket with not just dried moss, but all those living things in it, little bits of fern and creeping dogwood and all those parts around the base of the of the hanging basket made it ever so much more charming. Right. So anyway. And uh, another good thing in a hanging basket, of course, is strawberries. You know, yes, the, you've always loved it because it keeps it out of the slugs. That's right. You have to be a really athletic slug to get up into those strawberries. <laughs> so we have... Uh, uh, we have apples and we have cherries. 
Those little cherries look great. They, don't they? Absolutely beautiful. Now, uh, we have an email list. And the people that get on our email list get first pick because we uh, advertise it a bit ahead of, of when we're on the radio show. And if you want to be included in that group, send us an email to landscapealaska at gmail asking to be put on it or go in through our website at landscapealaska.com. But if you want to get on that group, because a lot of stuff never makes it beyond that email list. Oh, we have so much stuff, David. There's going to be plenty we of have, stuff. <laughs> we have some beautiful things. Now, one of the uh, another really fascinating thing is is as the climate changes, and it, and it are you talking about going from spring to summer? I'm talking about those uh, those new western red cedars, and the oh. uh, plant breeders are looking at ways to have have uh, plants both survive and expand their ranges, and we here in southeast are kind of at the we're at the northern edge of where red cedar is hardy. But the new red cedars that have been developed by the Forest Service are much hardier. And they don't get to be 280 feet. They only get to be about 50 or 60 feet. But they're, uh, they're called northern spire. So they're a columnar form. No, they're actually a pretty... Well, well usually when they say spire, it refers to a narrower habit than what the natural original habit was. I haven't seen a fully grown one yet. I've only they've only been available for about thirty years. So the biggest one I know of is is probably I don't know twenty five twenty five feet tall, and uh, I can't say I can't say if it's going to turn out to stay slender. It, you might be right because it looks when I see the picture of it, it looks narrower in comparison to the western red cedar uh-huh. that has nice broad branches. And a rather looser makeup. Uh-huh. A spire would be denser and not quite as full. That's all. Well, that's we'll why they use out. that word. That's it. We'll find out how it's going to be in our next fifty years of growing them. <laughs> Good that's luck with that. Yeah. So, uh, landscape Alaska is on the back loop, and it's up a long driveway between Goat Hill Road and Springway, and uh, you can tell from. Uh, from the bottom of the driveway, because we have a black mailbox that says Landscape Alaska on top of a steel sawhorse. It's, uh, we used to have a real mailbox, but the snowplow took it out, so this was, this is what we could do. <laughs> right. Snowplow went pow, and it went away. So we'll be there from uh, 10 o'clock till 4 or 5 o'clock this afternoon, and tomorrow on Sunday we'll open at noon, and uh, Monday we'll be closed. So uh, there are new perennials there's scads of, of new trees we have hollyhocks we have three kinds of hollyhocks two holly kinds, hocks, two kinds right. of hollyhocks and we have holly hardy tough holly and you need a male and a female to get holly berries so that's what I brought males and females and uh, if and you're interested in something like this this is the place to go but Come early because, you know, somebody else will be just as interested, and I only got a few of them. Well, um, the round one is the female. The brown one is the female. And the taller, skinnier, and darker green one is the male. Do they both fruit? No, only the female fruits. But the male must have some kind of flower to pollinate they're the female? They're in flower right now. Yes. When you look at them, they're in flower right now. Uh-huh. Yes. And it pollinates the female, and the female gets the berries. Mm-hmm. 
I bet you that round one looks really cute with berries on it. I bet it does. Now, it's round because they prune it like that. Uh-huh, you know? but it looks like a, a ball. It does. An absolute, and it's quite a bit older than the, the male, so mm-hmm. it's a, a much sturdier thing. And and these hollies get about, if you don't prune them, they get about seven or eight feet tall. They're not a holly tree. They're a holly bush. But they're hardy enough to live here where the big kind aren't. Right. Uh, next weekend, Saturday of next weekend, is going to be the, the big m- plant sale at the Safeway store. It's the, always fun. Uh, it's like the opening salvos. Kind of like... Like the Kentucky Derby, too, because the tapes go up and no one can get in until it's the official hour, and then they drop and the people flood in, and everybody's got their own wagon and their little cart. And their and the Jack's going to have a market at a different time, a little bit different time than the one out at Safeway, so there'll be two markets that day. Uh, I think they're going to have other stuff. They're going to have uh, cakes and pies and... They have all kinds Home of stuff. Homemade things like that. Yeah, it'll be great. And uh, the one at the at the Safeway store is only going to be plant material. But there will be representatives from all the plant organizations, the 4-H, the Master Gardeners, the... Arboretum. The Arboretum, every plant group that there is. Landscape Alaska. Oh, yes, Landscape <laughs> Alaska will be there. And we'll be there with our charming group of individuals with some uh, really spectacular things. I'm thinking about having a design booth there, seeing, you know. Like Lucy? Uh-huh. The doctor is in? Uh-huh. Oh, I think that's a great idea. Phone call. Uh, good morning, Landscape Alaska. This is Dave. Yes, Dave. I have, uh, let me turn my radio down. Yes, a good idea. Um, I have a, a list of questions for you, so you might want to take some quick notes. <laughs> okay. I got, <laughs> I got three issues I'd like to discuss. First of all, I would like to know your opinion of grass, whether it should be planted from seed or hydrosprayed. The second question is, I'm looking for a general purpose fertilizer that will work for both fruits like berries and rhubarb and that kind of stuff, as well as flowers. And the last one, and the most pressing one, is sagafras. I've got oodles of sagafras, and I'm trying to think about relocating it. How do I go about doing that? Okay. That's my three questions. We'll start with the saxafras first. Okay. Okay, so... uh, Let me turn my radio back on. (laughs) You betcha. So, saxafras is a big family, a really, really big family, but the common one that most people have here kind of grows like moss and hangs over rock walls and boulders and things like that and blooms real early in red, pink, or white. Right? Yep. Absolutely. That's the one that I'm it thinking likes, of. It's an alpine plant. It, it likes is. It likes fast drainage and plenty of sunshine. And it doesn't need to grow in dirt. It kind of makes its own aerial root mass and traps little bits of stuff. So as long as some of it touches the dirt and most of it can then hang over and make make its own little mat of stuff. So transplanting it. Get yourself a couple flats and put uh, some kind of potting soil in them and uh, you can just go out there and cut a big piece off of that. Lay it down on your potting soil and then you have a, a week or ten days to be able to relocate it as long as you keep it moist. And you put it in place, you can either put it back as a big mat like that or you can tear it into pieces and poke them into little holes and crannies 
if you grow it flat on the ground, like, like in the, a flower bed, the middle of it dies out. It becomes like a donut. So the, don't do that with it. Well, if he has a lot of success with it now, plant it in the same kind of environment, just someplace else, so you can spread it around. That's right. And don't let it dry out. You know, the most critical thing when you transplant something is that whatever water-absorbing pattern it has is then disturbed. So it's going to have to reestablish some. But it's tough. Alpine plants are tough. That they are. And so I would say, personally, even though David and I try to agree, um, get a place ready for it before you dig it up and just transport it right to the place where you want it to be. Instead of, you know, bypass the flat and just put it out there where it's supposed to be and keep it moist there. Well, that's always the best plan. So you don't have to do it twice. But sometimes you just have to get it out of where it is and move it around. But you're right. Always the best plan is to take it and put it right into its place. Okay, what's the other questions? Uh, Then he wants a general purpose fertilizer that's going to be good for both fruits and flowers. So fertilizer is expressed in three numbers, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potash. Like eight thirty two sixteen. Yeah, but he's going to want some organic fertilizer for f- edible foods versus ornamental trees and shrubs, and it's still expressed in three uh, numbers. I'm not saying that, but most commercial organic fertilizers are really low in very very low. Yes, that's part of what it is. They are very low in potency. Don't you carry an organic fertilizer that is a time-released, more potent and longer-lasting? It's no more potent, no more higher concentration than that. But it is an organic, slow-release fertilizer. Let me step back, though, again and say that those three numbers express not only the percentage of the elements, but what happens. So the first number, nitrogen, gives you green growth. The second number, phosphorus, gives you the flowering and the fruiting characteristics. And the third one, potash, is more for general tone and uh, health of the, the organism. Now, those aren't the only things that plants need, but those are the general ones that they need. So if you want to have something that's going to have lots of green growth on it, you choose something that's higher in nitrogen. And if you want something that's going to have fruit and flowers on it, you choose something that's higher in the middle number. So if you see a fertilizer that says 2100, you know that's for just grass and green growth. But if you see one that says 555, that means it has elements in it for all those parts. So if you want fruit and flowers, you're going to look for something that's, that has the second and the third numbers present. And in most, or correct me if I'm wrong, but when I've gone looking for fertilizers, organic fertilizers tend to be, you know, like low numbers. Yes. Three, four, four, or, you know, two, 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 or, I, I mean, I don't know, I can't tell you, but they're not much. They're not like the other multi-purpose fertilizers that you can use around rhododendrons and things you're not going to eat, which are much higher numbers. Right. And are Much higher more numbers potent. and are produced in a whole different way. And one of the reasons why why uh, commercial fertilizer became such a big deal is because it was so much more potent than organic natural fertilizer. And growing... Where for 10,000 years, people used manure. You know, well, pretty much all they, they still had. are. Right. 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 So, um, I guess what I'm trying to make clear here is, although we always like to use organic fertilizers, 
sometimes they're not potent enough to really take care of some of your bigger plants or you have to fertilize them more often. And put more on. Mm-hmm. Right. So whether you use a tablespoonful of commercial fertilizer, you're going to be using a cupful of For organic like on a, fertilizer. Like on a rhododendron. Or on, or on a, yeah, on a rhododendron or, or an apple, apple tree. tree you know. Right. Or in your garden. You're going to use a lot more of the organic fertilizer than you are of the synthetic fertilizer. And then the, the first question you asked was, was grass seed, is it better to plant it straight by seed or have it hydro-seeded? Hydro-seeding still is planting it direct by seed. You know, the seed's mixed into a slurry and sprayed out. But there's a economy of scale. You know, hydro-seeding is, is uh, pretty much... Well, it's so expensive. You need to be planting at least 5,000 square feet. And, and any hydro seeder will charge you at least a minimum of what it'll take for 5,000 square feet. So if you have a, a good sized area, you betcha. Hydro seeding is great because it protects your seed and you don't have to fuss over it as much. When you hand sow your grass seed and you cover it with peat moss and the fertilizer and the lime and do all that stuff, you have to make sure it doesn't dry out. Now we haven't had very many warm days, but I'm told they're coming by the weatherman, and that means that sometimes you have to be out there two or three times a day watering it, and right. you have to water it lightly because you don't want it to roll, you don't want it to run. On don't the want it to wash away. That's right. So, so the d- big deal about hydro seeding is pretty much you spray it out there and it'll grow. You don't have to be there continually nurturing it. But, but it on is the other more hand, expensive. It's more expensive, and uh, and you need a big a big area for it. I hope those answered your questions. And I love the questions. Thank you so much. Good, and I like the idea of I have a few questions. Would you take some notes? <laughs> That's perfect. Well, we can't expect you to remember. Right? I, tr- I try. <laughs> I actually try. And as long as we're talking about grass seed, you know, Margaret and I were talking this morning about what to do with a lawn that's almost entirely moss. Well, my client's coming home today, and she's not going to be happy because getting the gravel <laughs> off of her lawn, which wasn't a lawn really anymore, it was all moss, it now looks like a, bo- a head that some of us bald and some of us not bald. Because I understand. My machine like a pinto had to, pony. Had a, a, I had a power broom on it to get the so much gravel out of the... Because you couldn't have put a mower on it because they would come out like BBs. You know, broken windows, and so we had to aggressively get the gravel out of there. And I hope she understands. <laughs> well, the deal about about putting grass seed on it is, if you put grass seed on top of moss, it's not going to grow. No, I'm, I'm talking about where it's bald. There, filling yes. in those areas, but then it'll be here's grass and here's moss, which really means I need to take all the moss off. Exactly. But I think because she's this is her only snow storage spot. Using annual ryegrass and let it die in the wintertime. And when you take the gravel off again next year, you just reseed it again. You know, that's what they do with golf courses in places like like uh, Augusta? Southern California and, uh, and Arizona. You don't they know pl- anything about golf. What, what do you know? I know, how, I know about the grass <laughs> at golf. I don't know how to play golf. I've never even hit a golf ball. That's too bad, Dave. But uh, I know about the grass on golf courses. And one of the things they do is they choose a grass that goes dormant when it gets hot. And then they take what's called a verticeder that has a bunch of blades and slice down into the, the summer dormant grass and put annual ryegrass down in there. To make it nice and green because it and germinates it right in a sh- short period of time. It germinates in a week. That's yeah. right. And uh, it's green and tough. 
You can mow it and did walk you, on it. You did, did you watch the Augusta? They just poured down rain, and they were using big no. squeegees on the lawns. Oh, yeah, I've seen that, though. To get the water off uh-huh. so they could putt. I loved it. I thought, oh, we could do that in Juneau. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the services we offer is we squeegee your lawn. I like that. Exactly. Oh, yes. Oh, Something yes, oh, to yes. add to our talents. So, Mark, as as you think about putting in people's gardens and stuff, and you, you're called to be a – you're the designer. You're the best designer around. Well, thank when you. You're, when you're called for doing that, something like that, you go to somebody's house. How do you get started? How do you get started figuring out what to do? I listen to them. You have to listen to your clients. You have to help them figure out what they want. And a lot of times people say – I don't know what I want. I just don't want this. So then often I say, okay, well, think about Coca-Cola ads or Chevy ads or any Subaru ads or whatever you see visually. That Look at the background. Do you want it to look like downtown L.A.? Do you want it to look like downtown Juneau? Do you want it to look like your old hometown, wherever that was? You, you need to tell – you want it to look like a farm? You know, you, they have to tell me – their ideas of what they want. I want a flower garden. I want a vegetable garden. I don't want any lawn or I have three dogs. I have to have a, a really nice lawn with a way in and a way out to protect them. Uh, so when all that information can come to me, so first is let them think about it, mm-hmm. cut pictures out of magazines, and I come back and see them again. It's easy enough for me to tell people what they want, but that's not my job. <laughs> my job is to give them what they want. And there's a big there difference. Go. You know, as a designer, to really be conscientious of your client, uh, it's to fulfill their ambition for what they want. Because every person comes from a different landscape. Some people come from Juneau. I understand that. But a lot of people who live here come from Ohio or come from Southern California or come from Canada. And, and they come from a landscape that means something to them. So... When they try to ask me to make a landscape for them, they're really saying, I want it to look like my grandmother's yard. I want it to be in the house I grew up and we had these elements or, you know, and so then you recreate that in a way with the material we have here, which won't be the very same material, but it will be material like in an organized pattern that appeals to them to give them the satisfaction of what they're looking at and living in. I got it. So you try and get from them what they what they want it to look like, and then you figure out how to make that work with the materials at hand. Right. So if somebody says they want a... Uh, golf course. A, a golf course. I would <laughs> love a golf course. <laughs> okay. Well, if you want a golf course, you know, you could probably make, make one yourself. I like the idea of the uh, the Scottish golf course style where it's shrubs and low gorse all that stuff you have to hunt for your ball well but the greens are open there's fairways it's just those are all the you know danger zones the the most fantastic golf course i've ever seen was the president's cup in south africa where their rough was wild grass 12 feet tall like a thicket and you wouldn't go in there for your ball for anything in the world because there are all kinds of snakes and insects in there that could hurt you lions and tigers and bears <laughs> you, you get into those areas and you have to forfeit i could dig it <laughs> all right so arbor day was just last week 
National Arbor Day was just last week. But the Juno celebration of Arbor Day is coming up very shortly. Jeff, if you're listening and you can call in, let us know when the public celebration is. Because I know the uh, urban forestry people are coming today to pick up a couple of trees that are gonna, they're going to plant in the cemetery area as a celebration of Arbor Day. They're coming this weekend to pick them up, so that means the celebration must be sometime very soon. Maybe Monday. Maybe Monday. Could be. You know, we'll have to find out. We'll ask them when they come. And, uh, of course, the ancient proverb of when's the best time to plant a tree was yesterday. You know, you want to, you want to get them in. I had a client coming that said that her father, who is a fantastic gardener and a friend of mine for a long time, had always told her that he really wished he had made the effort when he was younger to plant trees around his property because now when he's an older man and retired, he would love to look at trees that he had planted 25 years ago. I love it too. The thing about planting a tree is you're planting for the future, you know. And not only does it appeal to the environment to have more trees, but also to your soul, you know. Absolutely. And there's all kinds of trees. And you know, we have trees that we have... uh, Carried brought around. to Juno <laughs> oh, 35 years ago and moved them around as we moved our nursery business around and moved as we moved houses around. And we have trees now that have been moved probably five or six times that are, they're our friends. They're companions of our lives. And we have, and we have some beautiful, beautiful trees that, uh, they're it getting gives re- me such joy to look at. We're getting ready to plant some more. We have those uh, witch hazels. I can't wait. Witch hazels, yes. So witch hazel is a flowering shrub that blooms, oh, in December and January. No, not here, though. No, here, not here. Here it's going to be in the early, it'll be in the summer. It'll bloom in the it'll late spring. now. Maybe it depends on as this winter and nothing's odd. blooming. Right. Skunk cabbage is barely coming up. We got them in yellow and red. And the aroma of the witch hazel, if I think about it now, I can almost conjure it up. A sweet lemony aroma. Remember what that smells like? It's really sure. kind, of, kind of, and it has this, this element of uh, pine sap mm-hmm. or something like that in it. <coughs> well, at the end of our show is coming along. Thanks for the call. It was really a pleasure to have somebody to talk to, besides Margaret and me. We have to go to Tyler and get more safety gear for working at Riverview this week. Tyler sent me pictures of the stuff they have for sale now. More tools? Oh, more tools. They've got the electric lawnmower. They've got those that really cool electric little chainsaw. I love that chainsaw. Oh, man, me too. That's my favorite landscape tool. I just love it. And they also have an electric pressure washer. These are all still tools, you know, so you know. You know, those, those little held, handheld uh, chainsaws are great for mom for Mother's Day. Think about yep. that. That's a really good idea. If you're looking for a present for Mother's Day, which is coming don't right up. Don't get her the lawnmower. And, <laughs> and you don't want to give her a beautiful rose bush from Landscape Alaska, which would please anyone. You could probably give her a handheld chainsaw. I'd be happy. Reach, yes? but I already have two. You have two, <laughs> and you even have somebody to operate it. Okay, we're going off to Landscape Alaska. We'll be open in about an hour. Come on up to see us, 
And until next week, this is Margaret Tharp and David Ledrum from Landscape Alaska. We're wishing you all happy gardening.